This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast, episode 475 for the week of August 4th, 2019. Well, hello, welcome back to Kanzenshu. The podcast. An extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Kanzenshu. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Uh, back in your ears, it's the same duo. Mike, that's me. Mary, that's hey, you. Hey, that is you and me. And we're back again for more shenanigans. We are. A Sooner bit. than we thought. Yeah, I, um, well, actually, it's been longer than I wanted in between episodes, which is standard <laughs> these uh, it's days. It's summer, it's summer, you know. But uh, you and I talking. Uh, this is going to be a follow-up, actually, to our last episode. Uh, there was such a good amount and good type of feedback that I wanted to kind of go through a bunch of the comments that we got from a, uh, a variety of sources and a variety of people. That's great. Yeah, from uh, the last chat we had, you and I, we did a 20-year look back at Captain Ginyu Assault, the first in-house production from Funimation for Dragon Ball Z. Now, actually, something I, I don't think I mentioned last episode, but the first actual in-house production they did in 1998, after the split from Saban and Pioneer was doing the home video distribution, it was airing in syndication on TV, and then all of a sudden, Ocean Studios cast was gone, gone, gone. gone. Echo, echo. The first thing they did in-house in 1998 was the dub of Dragon Ball Movie 2, Sleeping Princess in Devil's Castle. Ah, I thought it was Curse of the Blood Rubies, but it, no. was, it was the other movie? No, Curse of the Blood Rubies is Movie 1, which they did with Ocean Studios edited. That's a sore spot right now, <laughs> Curse of the Blood Rubies, but that's going to come back around as a topic, I think, when uh, you know we talked last time about collective trauma. I think this is another <laughs> like current... <laughs> I, I don't I don't think I wanna know. Oh you this is the lost tape. <gasps> oh that one Yeah. That's oh, what I'm saying. Oh, Crystal Blood oh. Rubies is off the table right now for oh, discussion. I'm so sorry. We'll come Thank back around you, to that. FedEx. Yeah, good job. I, on I that am one. giving a giant middle finger right now. Well if people like this topic, here's here's what's kind of fascinating and sad about this this time frame is that I'm sure there's going to be plenty of opportunities to increasingly do 20 subjects year. around 20 year <laughs> retrospectives. In fact, know. I've already met, I've already missed <laughs> the 20 year anniversary of my website, I guess. Yeah. That's fine. depressing. Well, we actually have a comment about, I'm so glad I have no idea what you have planned. <laughs> exactly. I'm just babbling. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're old. And here's some topic ideas. By the way, Mary, actually, <laughs> We'll come back around to that. But we actually have like a, a, a twofold episode for you this week. I have been meaning for quite some time to start up. This is one of those people don't want to hear about the wiki until they can actually read it. All right. We're not ready for that yet. However, however. The hype train is on. <laughs> what I've been wanting to do is pull in some of our wiki administrators and editors and just start sharing stuff. Like, what have you learned? What are some of these amazing revelations we've all collectively come to as we're tossing things around? We have such a great batch of people working on things. So someone learned something that in turn prompts something else. And then we can be like, Julian, what the hell does this mean? And then he can give us historical context on things we didn't even know had anything to do with Dragon Ball. It's so goddamn good. So, And this, you got like an army of people behind the scenes, do. Exactly. which I love. It's yes. the Konzenchu army, the so, unsung heroes. Infantry number one on the front lines this episode. I'm playing a lot of a Fire Emblem, Three Houses, so I'm all about like, just throw the fodder at the facts and get things translated. All right. So infantry fodder number one this episode. Uh, Joe. 
a different Joe, we a more different Joe, more we Joes, many Joes, uh, JRP. He's going to join me to talk about. He's got this amazing page he's been doing on the wiki, which is real life references in Dragon Ball, and so we're going to discuss a couple of those. I say a couple, but it's it's so good. So stay tuned for that. That's actually going to be the first thing that we do for a topic. So you'll dip away for a little bit on that, and then we'll come back and talk about Ginyu uh, feedback and all that stuffage. So that's actually what's on tap for you this year episode, this year week on the podcast. Uh, so, Mary, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye. See you in a little bit. <laughs> we'll come back around. Uh, so enjoy the, the chat with Joe and I talking about uh, real-life references in Dragon Ball that we're documenting on the wiki, and we'll uh, come back around again. In our first, I guess I need to come up with a name for this, like, what's happening with the wiki <laughs> segment? So I had this plan for a while, actually. I've been meaning to do it. And the person you're about to meet uh, messaged me the other day and said, hey, you know, we're doing the wiki. I, I think this would actually be a good idea. And I'm like, you know what? That actually was my idea. And because you said it, well, now I'm going to do it. So uh, actually a new voice for the podcast. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, Joe, we have many Joe friends out there. This is a more different Joe. Uh, JRP is what you'll go by. I don't know how much you want to introduce yourself, but uh, that's you. Oh, that's me. Well, I can be JRP, but uh, if you just want to call me like Joe number 27, that's okay too. I don't mind. <laughs> All right. You know, you got to be careful with what you say because I put custom titles on the forum. You're going to end up being Joe 27 at this point. Oh, dear. Uh, welcome. So I, I'm so excited to have you here. You have been a longtime friend of the site and you are someone who is academically invested in research and knowledge. And I've always appreciated a lot of your posts. I feel like one of the more recent ones, and I think this was one of the reasons why I was like, I wonder if he wants to work on the wiki with us you were asking about dr brief's cat tama and the name and i'm like oh yeah i know information about this and just between the couple of us we were you know knocking out some of the info there i'm like this is the kind of thing we need to be doing and do do on the wiki and uh i'm pretty sure that was the impetus for me asking you so uh thank you so much for joining us and and hanging out in secret on the sidelines well i'm very glad to be here i'm very glad that you know my interest in that uh fuzzy little kitty has uh helped us come together like this so uh, it's been fantastic right. and working on the wiki is a lot of fun uh i have so much fun doing it it's uh, I really think that uh, the bunch of us working on it have some of the best Dragon Ball conversations that exist that no one else is privy to. So part of the point of these little recurring mini segments up until whenever we decide to soft slash formally launch the wiki, uh, we just want to share some of the knowledge, some of the things we've learned along the way. Uh, similar to when Julian and I will look at guidebooks or magazines or something and talk about interviews that we haven't formally translated for the site, but we think we can get some conversation out of. Uh, think of this as like the wiki side of things. Why don't you give me just a, a brief little rundown on some of the things that you have been working on for the wiki? And then we have like this little side thing that we're going to focus on. But uh, what are some of the things that you've been doing? Well, uh, I like to characterize my work on the wiki as uh, random access procrastination. That essentially means that I, I keep jumping around, I keep getting some great ideas, and then I go and do them, and then I get three quarters of the way through, and then I go and do something else. And uh, I have a whole bunch of uh, logs on the fire right now, but it's uh, it's great. Working on everything from episode summaries down to, uh, uh, for some strange reason, working on all the Cell Games filler, because what could be better than talking <laughs> about filler? I love that stuff. And that, you know what? That is the consensual way, which is to get three quarters to 99% done 
and then never actually finish it. Uh, <laughs> what we're going to talk about today, uh, we all have our little pet projects in addition to main things like, all right, yeah, character bios and episodes like those form the, the underlying basis of the wiki. Uh, and we'll talk with Tara's at some point in the future about you know, what her vision is and what she kind of wanted to have set before we really showed things off to the world. But we all do have our little you know side pet projects that we want to work on. Uh, I've got random video game stuff and things that no one cares about. You have this awesome, awesome page that you've been working on that is just a giant list of the coolest stuff in the world. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, I don't know if it's the coolest stuff in the world, but it is the coolest stuff to me. It is uh, a list of real world references in uh, the Dragon Ball manga and uh, getting now into some of the anime and movie only references, which is uh, which is quite quite great. I know that there's been uh, some really fantastic documentation over the years in terms of Toriyama's vehicles. And I got to tell you, I don't know anything about vehicles, so I'm I'm desperately underprepared for working on that. But he also lists tons and tons of movie references and sly little asides here and there. You know, everything from uh, the obvious Android 8 is Frankenstein's monster down to, uh, well, substantially less obvious references. And I've been going through as best I can and categorizing and cataloging uh, all of the references that I've been able to find. I'm positive that I'm missing probably more than I'm catching. But uh, every now and then you just find yourself on a manga panel or something and you realize, man, this goes really deep. And, uh, and then you have a, you realize a weekend has gone by and you've looked at one panel and that's really the right, best possible thing that can happen. What were some of the ones that kind of got you going on this? Was it like Budiasa and Bali, that kind of stuff, the thing, some of the things we know about? Yeah. You know, the Bali references are fantastic. And as I dig, I keep finding more, um, you know, just background references to like cities and place names, uh, in Bali that I've never heard of and have no, uh, particular ability to go to. I think we even found in, uh, a, a temple that may have been used as, uh, some of the uh, some of the background for the temple complex in the in the Budokai arcs, but you know, not sure yet. Not quite an exact match. Don't want to go there, but uh, but it's all fun sure. stuff. Well, why don't you give us a couple highlights? Some of the the what you feel are some of the coolest items that you found. Some of these real world references in Dragon Ball. Yeah, so we're gonna go deep cut here, and uh, all right, I'm I'm very happy. But uh, the first one that I wanted to talk to you about is uh, the Turtle Hermit's bookshelf. And this seems a little bit strange. But uh, so you take a look at uh, Dragon Ball chapter 24. That's May 1985. Very important date uh, to keep in your head for just a moment. This is uh, right as Goku's arrived at the Turtle Hermit's uh, house for the first time and is about to locate for him a, a date. And one of the panels there happens to be him turning on some music, you know, getting in the mood, you know, about to uh, seduce whatever poor young lady uh, Goku has been uh, fortunate enough to find. Of course, we know how that works out. But in that panel, there's actually uh, nine different uh, books, all with titles in Japanese, including, by the way, in the uh, the Viz translation of the manga. They didn't bother translating any of the book titles or VHS titlers or titles or whatever those were, but we did, and we took a look at them, and I think it's kind of interesting. It is simultaneously a glimpse into the Turtle Hermit psyche, but I think also a glimpse into Toriyama's psyche, because we know... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we know that, you know, if uh, if you take a look later when they show Bulma's lab, right, he's kind of looking around at things that are around him and putting airfix models and stuff in her lab. We'll talk about this some other day, but uh, here we have the Turtle Hermit's bookshelf, and if it does say something about Toriyama's psyche, I'm a little worried, but the, uh, the items on the bookshelf um first off kind of interesting a copy of the goonies not too not too important right but of course the goonies came out in june of 85 this issue came out in may of 85 presumably was written earlier than that 
so I have no idea why he was particularly strung up on a movie that he had only seen a trailer for, but that seems kind of awesome, right? Moving on, it also has a, a tape from ZZ Top. Okay, not so interesting. A tape labeled Tanya Roberts. Now, she is a former Charlie's Angel. At the time, she had most recently been in The Beastmaster, but maybe more important for the Turtle Hermit, she was also the Playboy uh, cover for November of 1982. Uh-huh, mm -hmm. all Three right. Three more tapes labeled just Playmates. I will leave you to your imagination what you think those might be. And, and one final one, and this one actually took more research, I think, than all the rest put together. And there is a tape labeled Aerobic Golf. What the hell is Aerobic Golf, right? And it turns out that in 1984, there's a Japanese-only VHS release by this uh, golfer by the name of Jan Stevenson, only released in Japan. Uh, and basically, it exa is exactly that. It is her doing semi-golf-related aerobics in a semi-suggestible way. Um, her deal, by the way, was that she believed that the LPGA could be better marketed through sexualization. Obviously, uh, the aerobic golf tape was one way that she thought that she might encourage people to watch golf. I, I don't really agree, but at least we can say conclusively that the Turtle Hermit was probably more interested in golf after watching that tape. Um, so that's it. So that is like literally one panel. You can just yeah. dig and dig and dig at some of these things. And, and the more you go, the, the more you realize that, uh, my goodness, that well is very deep. I love the idea of Toriyama is just drawing this panel for the scene. It has no relevance to anything really, but he's looking around his own <laughs> home office like, all right, I got to draw a bookshelf. All right, what's on my bookshelf? What am I interested in right now? Uh, what's making me hot right now, I suppose? That's crazy. I love it. And if that answer is aerobic golf, I think I've learned something about Toriyama that I might not have needed to know. Oh, no, I feel like that fits in pretty well. <laughs> All right, that, that's a great example. What chapter was that if people want to go back and check it out themselves? Uh, that's Dragon Ball chapter 24. 24, so that's pretty early on. Very nice. All right, what's uh, maybe one more real good, crazy, cool thing that you've learned, uh, real world reference in Dragon Ball? Mm, okay, so uh, the second idea, and there's so many of these, by the way, I think we've, uh, I, I've lost count as to how many we've cataloged, and I think we could talk about any of them. But what I found very cool, because I have kind of an academic nature, maybe maybe some of the listeners do as well. And there are things I know and things I don't know. But in Dragon Ball episode 92, now setting the scene, this is uh, the, the 22nd uh, World Martial Arts Tournament. This is an episode where Goku is being, uh, uh, he's about to go up against Panput. Okay. Uh, Panput's manager, who's late, who later, way much later, will be called Vodka, um, but he's not named in that episode. Uh, his manager basically kidnaps Goku and drives away. But as part of kind of the um, the background of this episode, we've got characters talking about Panput's uh, his uh, film career. And so they have these, uh, these cutaways to some absolutely beautiful uh, film posters. And there's one that's a little bit uh, Star Wars-ish. There's a, one that's kind of very action movie-ish. And then there is one um, which uh, caught my eye. Uh, it's a poster, not based on the real world poster, but it's a poster for the movie Rumblefish, which, I mean, we were looking at this trying to figure out, okay, what kind of, what the heck does Rumblefish mean? What Japanese magic is it? And it's yeah. not Japanese magic at all. It's actually the name of a S.E. Hinton book, uh, and Rumblefish is uh, in that book, apparently their special name for betta fish. This doesn't matter except to say uh, that uh, it's a beautiful poster for this movie Rumblefish that Penn put us in. And at the very bottom of the poster is you're directed by credits and acted by credits. 
And we were looking at these names. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, do I need to create a wiki entry for everybody that's named on this list? Because they're all <laughs> right. You know, because that's what we do. We're, we're detail oriented fools. And uh, but we're looking at it and we come to the realization that they're not just names. Those names are actually English spelled out versions of words in order from this famous, extremely famous, if you speak Japanese, not famous if you're me, a poem called Aroha, which is a um, perhaps about a thousand years old Japanese poem, primarily known for uh, that being the basis of the Japanese alphabetical system. So when they do a list, A, B, C, oh, yeah, yeah. and they want to do okay. that list in Japanese, they're, they're following the syllables of this thousand-year-old uh, poem. And uh, the poem is, is amazing, probably much more amazing if you speak Japanese. It happens to be a full pangram, which means they it uses every Japanese character that existed at every phonetic character that existed a thousand years ago, um, but with no repeats. It's probably fantastic if I spoke Japanese, but for me, it was just amazing. Here's this poster that you're panning over for half a second, and three hours later, you've learned all about a Japanese poem that you've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, that, that's such a cool thing. And I think this is like the quintessential example of some of the stuff we're working on where it's, hey, I'm just working on this episode or manga chapter summary, and here's this thing. It's got some words. I, I think we could probably figure out what this is, right? And then, you know, we end up basically taking a college level course to learn about some of this stuff. It's crazy. You know, uh, the thing I love about the working on the wiki is that it is a real mix between, you know, you're just writing summaries and you're just doing character bios and you're just putting together info boxes. And that's all really important work. And then wham, here you are working on something amazing that you had no idea was in that episode or in that chapter. And before you know it, you've read all of Dub and Peter. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> What'd you think of it? I loved it. Um, I, uh, I'm trying to decide if it takes place in Dragon World. I don't think so. Uh, I know. There, there have been many conversations about uh, which ones can or cannot or may or may not work in the world. And uh, I, I think we'll we'll start small and expand outward from there with, with some of those. And at least reference them and we'll probably have pages for all of them. Uh, yeah, eventually we'll have pages for all of Dr. Slump, won't we? That's kind of what we're... Oh, God. <laughs> what have I said? Let's, <laughs> let's start simple. Let's get Dragon Ball done. <laughs> Or, or, or let's oh. at least get it 75% done and then get distracted and work on something else. Oh, that sounds good to me. That's, <laughs> that is exactly how I work. Man, that was all such cool stuff. Uh, I love it. And uh, your second example actually reminded me of some of the stuff that I found from um, Dragon Ball Episode 79 with uh, some of the family names. Similar thing. Maybe we'll need to figure out the rest of them. Because I didn't figure them all out by the time I finished the family name guide. I got kind of an idea. Uh, I think we'll we'll wrap back around to random names and references to real life things. Uh, this is great. Joe, thank you so much. I love all the work that you're doing. I I'm in the best position because I get to spy on everything that everyone is working on. And I don't necessarily have to work on it myself, but if I want to, I can like throw out some ideas and some guidance. It's it's a great thing. I, I am so appreciative and I hope everyone else is, uh, I don't know, like preemptively appreciative and then definitely will be after they get a chance to check out all this stuff, which of course we're not giving a, a time frame on, but that's why we're talking about it here on the podcast. We can at least start, you know, drip feeding people a little bit. All right, Joe, thank you much. Uh, well, I don't know. You have so many things on... <laughs> 
<laughs> on your one page alone, this could be its own recurring monthly segment, uh, independent of all the other wiki things. So I have a feeling you're going to be back soon. Well, I definitely hope so. I uh, I enjoyed chatting with you today. I enjoy writing with you and with the rest of the wikiers, and I, uh, I, uh, I'm just having a ball. So thanks for giving me an opportunity to procrastinate. Mary, did you know that we're working on a wiki? I may have heard something on and off at the course of the last 10 years. You know, one of the original plans was when we launched Konzenshu to actually have the wiki like up and running and available. I don't think you would have expected, or maybe you did, just the the layers of the onion you'd be peeling back. You just like the I'm, expression on your face. is it's just... pained. I'm making a pained expression. Not that I have any involvement in the wiki. I am intrigued and impressed and frustrated that this thing is not online yet. You are the audience right now. I am. All right. So let's pull I'm, it back. I'm the audience's spirit animal, y'all. There we go. Let's talk some of the feedback we got from last time here on the show when we did a 20-year look back at Captain Ginyu Assault, the home video release. We have feedback from a variety of sources. From I didn't know this. The forum thread on Twitter, I on YouTube. I was not good even. about checking in on this stuff. I thought I was, like the day you posted it. I was like, oh, I'm going to check in on feedback. And I didn't see anything, so I gave up. <laughs> but I guess you know you know the hot places to look, apparently, and I'm just a sloth, so All right. take it away. I'm going to start. This is a, a longer comment we got on our forum over on Konzenshu from The Big Boy. So let me uh, read through this. A couple of paragraphs. This is probably the longest one we have here. The Big Boy says, Great episode. I have some real distinct memories of these releases. It was the summer before high school. I had never seen the Japanese version of DBZ. I only knew about the original version through some websites I read on the internet, which I didn't have. I had to rely on the neighbor kid's computer. I remember seeing the gallery of blood and guts and fansub swearing on Greg Werner's old site and became furious that I was missing out. I downloaded wave files and extremely low quality video clips just trying to get a taste of the original uncensored show. What a good kid. When it was announced that Funimation was bringing back DBZ and Uncensored, I foolishly assumed that they would take this opportunity to correct the dub. There would be no visual censorship. The music would be the original version. The voices I didn't like would be recast and the dialogue would be more adult. Said neighbor kid was a big anime nut and told me that he was going to get the tapes at Suncoast when his mom took him to the mall. Oh, man. I remember sitting around all afternoon playing some awful N64 game I had rented, looking out the window every five minutes (laughs) to see if my friend had returned. This kid is me. Right after dinner. I got the call from him. I ran over and he put in the Ginyu Assault tape. I thought it was strange they reused Rock the Dragon, but I didn't think much of it. I remember one of the first images seen in the episode is Vegeta's face caked in blood. We let out a cheer. <laughs> this is a then, great story. Then. Then. The characters started talking. <gasps> Dun, dun, dun. When we heard Kududin's voice, we all let out an audible groan. The voices were bad imitations. The dialogue was silly and childish, despite being uncut. And the replacement music sounded like a Casio keyboard. Mike's comments about the music sounding hollow are dead on. I sort of like the weird new agey Ginyu Force theme, but it's not really representative of Dragon Ball. It just sounds so cheap to me. Everything about the production feels super cheap. It speaks to how appealing Dragon Ball is that the show was such a success in the U.S. despite the treatment it was given. That is really astute. I never thought about it that way. Well, I mean, that was the big thing that we were all saying at the time. Like, this is awful. How is this doing so well? Well, guess Dragon Ball is just shining through somehow. I love these stories. This is someone who's not quite our age, but not like significantly younger than some of the folks that are like, I was five when it was airing, you know, somewhere between three and six, (laughs) depending, I guess. Range. 
So I think that's just like a, a good age to kind of hone in on too, because that's kind of like one of the, the big audiences they were going for at this point was that kind of age boy of the series. They have the benefit of being old enough but young enough to yeah. still be interested, but also be dangerous to be learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's that phrase? No, they know enough to be dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So they're young enough to be malleable, but old enough to be like, I'm going to go online and look up some stuff. Already learned some things. Yeah, yeah. I love that because that's just a great comment of looking forward to it, like independent of if whatever's going to happen, I'm looking forward to it, but still, oh God, what happened? <laughs> All right. Uh, we have another forum comment here. This one's from Blazing Fiddlesticks. I was not into Dragon Ball enough to be curious about the home video market at the time, just savvy enough to know that I was watching a punched up English dub and obviously the cast switch, but I was almost waiting for Mike to say, we have this thing, we're capable of giving it to you, but we won't. And of course, that is what I said. The more they change, the more they stay the same. I love the contemporary reactions regardless because it made far too much sense. If the licensee is that far removed from the source material and yet becomes successful, seemingly at least as much by what of the series was left as their audience geared creative choices, not quite sure I follow that, why would they change? Now, of course, we know why, but it took a while after the fact for that picture to form. Basically, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Funimation doesn't have to. They don't have to go the extra mile right because people will get by it anyway and they kind of painted themselves into a corner where the nostalgic market is i want my punched up script i want my cartoony voices like exaggerated accents on my characters and so you have those people who demand that of their dub dragon ball versus all these other audiences we like, call them purists no not even because you do have people who grew up with it and go wait all right I'm old enough now. This is what I want out of the series. Like you have people who want a decent dub. There, there's all these different brackets of fandom. Like you'll have the people who are the hardest of hardcore English dub fans, but hate the widescreen treatment. And that almost doesn't reconcile in my head because I feel like if you're a purist, you're like a 100% purist through and through. It's a spectrum, yeah. I think. It's it's a prism of the different people that came in to the show at different, All times. different times. And yeah, you can almost sure. cherry pick the things that you do and you don't want out of the series, right. which makes it very complicated to release, I think. I almost feel yeah. like you can do it. Here's a Japanese version, untouched. You got that market cornered, but then it's everything else that I think is right. a little trickier. Sure, which is why I say that they've painted themselves into the corner. At the same time, they'll go the extra mile and then start walking things back and that's the truly frustrating thing. All right, let's move on. Uh, one more forum comment here. This one's, I don't know if it's KBABZ or KBABS. I don't know how you pronounce your name. Uh, great episode, blah, blah. Didn't enter Dragon Ball until the 2001 dub. I'm a defender of Nandalini's Goku, but that kid Gohan was hot in the making and trash. <laughs> Uh, didn't enter the community until I joined the forum. Okay, so it was very interesting to get a capsule into what Dragon Ball fandom was like back then and how it compared to Funimation's Ministry of Truth version that they so joyfully put on their DVDs. <gasps> hilarious phrasing. I love that because what I was talking about was look, the, the version that you see in the orange bricks on the season Blu-rays, that is not what aired on TV in 1999. And for all of us at the time, like that was the basis of hatred, our no. anger <laughs> moving forward for years. Like you, like you don't actually understand quite how bad, like really, really bad it was because they've sort of like scraped clean history a little bit here and there. Here's a, a Twitter comment from X0319. 
Enjoyed the episode? Agree to disagree about Falconer score? Agree to agree about acting in script? Was the version of Ginyu Assault on the uncut VHS the 27-minute version that was included on the DVD single? Ooh. Yes. So the way we, we know the numbers from the original syndication broadcast, 35 episodes were cut down to 26 for the first season. And then as we got to like episode 67, 68, that was cut down to 53 in the second broadcast syndication season. So then when they got to Captain Ginyu Assault, they were in a weird place where it was supposed to be episode to episode, like one to one corresponding. But because they had cut a previous edited dub midway into an episode. Yeah. So the first episode, I think we might've mentioned how the first episode we watched was like a full 30 or whatever minute long episode. And yeah, that's how it was on the video on uh, VHS and DVD for the dub version of that episode. It was a longer episode because they had to use the material from the episode that they didn't quite finish in dub episode 53 and then get through all of I always blank on whether it was episode 67 or 68 uh, at that point in time. So, yeah, it was a longer episode. I'm like, we're going to watch three episodes. Okay, 22 minutes each. Great. That first episode just didn't stop. (laughs) It just kept going. (laughs) You were talking earlier, Mary. This is what I was hinting at. Uh, How many 20th anniversary retrospectives can we do? That's funny. Uh, Garrett says, so this means we're not getting a 20th anniversary discussion on the orange bricks? No, you are absolutely not. We are not going i can't i can't talk about these things anymore <laughs> it is a fine line it, so that it was has been crossed 2007 so 2017 2027 i mean we'll still be here i'll still be talking no i can't do a 20th retrospective on those things you say that now i probably will i i mean those one of those things that Eight i years think is a long time i really think that was a, a key product that destroyed <laughs> the future viability of dragon ball on the home video market and it kind of ruined a bunch of inner national releases as well so as as awful as those things were they were significant in the the ruination of dragon ball all right i need to move on getting too depressed here uh twitter comment from dj tayo ken i'm listening to the konzenshu podcast i know exactly what vegeto bx hey that's me is talking about when he talks about the falconer score falconer score is very similar to how beats audio processes the sound and that it accentuates the highs and lows while drowning out all the mids the falconer score has incredibly catchy hooks remember this is i'm quoting someone else here but almost no backing track it's bass hook percussion and nothing else Hmm. yeah we've talked uh, a little bit about that i know uh, someone else gave me a great forum comment in in the past about uh, like the actual sound and how it was produced that's definitely it it's like i'm listening to it and just going there is something missing here i think that's a, a great encapsulation from someone who probably knows more about music production they than sure I do. sound like they do all right here's a youtube comment from houston t kid i remember buying these from suncoast and noticing a big difference in the cover art Prior to that, the cover art had been pretty damn good. This was the first time the VHS cover art was simply a screenshot, if I remember correctly. Then I popped it in and immediately noticed a difference. I was fairly young, maybe in fourth grade, so it wasn't a huge deal to me other than Vegeta's voice. It took me forever to get adjusted to it. Yeah, so when Pioneer was doing the sub-license to distribute on home video, Funimations edited English dub as originally aired and distributed by Saban on syndicated broadcast TV. Just getting all those companies in there. Yeah, those old VHS releases had amazing cover art because it was real like production key artwork that Toei and Shueisha and everyone would provide to Funimation and Pioneer at the time. So there were great composite shots. I think one of my favorites is actually the cover of uh, Movie 3 where you get like just Earth or maybe it's 
yeah, Earth with the tree and Tullus's head up in the corner and Goku's head. Which uh, is interesting because that's not the poster art. So I'm like, no, exactly. where did this come from? Well, they have lots of other key artwork for those that they used for like flyers and pencil boards and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff in Japan. But yeah, the, the shift to Funimation's in-house release, that was the, we're going to vectorize a screenshot. And that is going to be the cover art for all VHS releases And DVDs forward. going forward, too. Yeah, and the corresponding DVDs as well. I'm yeah. actually having a hard time remembering the original VHS artwork other than Arrival. I'm looking around to see if I have any down here. But no, I just... That's my movie one collection over there. <laughs> uh, there's one I picture. It's like Vegeta kind of like sitting on his knee with uh, something in the background. Oh, that's one of my favorite um, artworks ever. I think the last one is the Super Saiyan! Exclamation question mark. And it's different faces of Goku. One actually with the full golden hair. I mean, they spoiled it and rock the dragon so they spoiled mm-hmm. everything on uh yeah they were really cool uh and then suddenly the shift i know a lot of people were more into the spine artwork on the vhs releases than the cover artworks it made like the nice big collages by the mm. time you were done but wanted to address that too and then we have here uh, a comment on youtube from uh Hukulate. i'm hoping i'm saying that right i was listening to this in the shower and holy shit at 1611 because the sound of the water was drowning out the background music i legitimately thought that mike himself was doing a chris sabbat brian drummond impression and impression <laughs> so i did i edited it out in favor of including the actual sound clip however i'm gonna go back and i don't know if i still have the master audio files from last podcast episode your impression yeah I'll, all right let's figure all right i remember what the line was uh, all right let me get into character all right get the character <clears throat> all right, do it all right, so all right. Envision. 1999 you're in texas i'm you're, in texas it's your I've first big gig never you're, done you're hungry like this before <clears throat> Kakarot? Unbelievable! That's pretty okay. That's not bad for an impression of an impression of a thing. <laughs> of a voice that's not based on anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what it was back then, folks, is what I'm talking about. But then when you think about how far they've come, it's pretty impressive. Sure. There are a lot of other comments, so those are the ones I wanted to pull out. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. It seems like lots of folks had a nice trip down memory lane. Uh, we enjoyed it as well. So thank you, Mary. I will not force any more 1999 dubs upon you for uh, There was other dubs I was listening to in 1999, to be honest, but they would be for shows that we're not talking about on this here podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you much for joining us. Of course. Anytime. Thank you for having me. All right. So that's Mary over there. My name is Mike. So you can find all the cool stuff. www.kanzenshuu.com. That is kanzenshu.com. You'll find the site and the forum. And this is the podcast that you're listening to and all the assorted other things that we have going on. Social media links, all that jazz. Uh, I got a lot of cool stuff coming in the mail. Right now, uh, I haven't. Yeah, a curse of my life is just constant shipment errors and problems. Picked up something the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, I was expecting this. Oh, they actually gave me the wrong package. Now I don't have the right slip to go get the right package. You know, I think I just need Julian personally mm-hmm. to deliver everything to me. Of course. Just send him back and forth. Probably that's, that's a good part time gig if you can get it. Every other week or so, just send him over there, buy a bunch of stuff, come back, hand deliver it to me personally. We can fund this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so thanks, Julian. Uh, that'll be what you do from uh, here on out. Uh, that was it. That's it. That's everything. That's, that is the show right now. We will see you next time. Uh, we're going to keep doing some of these like wiki project check-ins and things everyone's learning. We've got a backlog of things we want to tell everyone, so look forward to those and more great topics coming your way. I uh, gave you the website, gave you that's uh, everything you need to know. Mary, take us out. All right, that was Con Zenshi, the podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.